Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. This is Ben Kissel. Just a quick heads up. Uh, the Comey memo, uh, that information came out after we recorded uh, this episode. So just want to give a little bit of information on that. Basically, it's uh, come to light that James Comey uh, documented every single thing that Donald Trump said to him because he was so astonished with the absurdity of Donald Trump demanding uh, that James Comey, of course, the head of the FBI, end his investigation uh, into Russian collusion uh, regarding their relationship relationship with Michael Flynn, which is a massive, massive deal. Um, now, a lot of people are throwing around the word impeachment, uh, which, of, of course, is on the tip of everybody's tongues for uh, reasonable and rational reasons. Uh, however, it might be a little bit premature to talk about impeachment because we just don't know yet. Uh, Comey will be testifying. Lindsey Graham, for example, of course, uh, the senator out of South Carolina has asked him to testify. And uh, Jason Chaffetz as well, who is by no means a believer heart liberal, quite a Republican and uh, conservative in his own right, has also requested Comey to testify. It seems as if there's bipartisan support uh, to get James Comey's testimony, hear the truth, and really get to the bottom of what Donald Trump, a sitting president of the United States, asked a sitting FBI director of the United States to do regarding an investigation into their campaign. Quite fascinating stuff. And uh, obviously, we're going to keep on following it. Also, I want to talk a little bit about Seth Rich. He was a, a person who worked for the DNC. He was murdered uh, weeks before uh, the DNC convention, things like that, in 2016. Uh, WikiLeaks came out and offered, I, I believe it was a uh, $30,000 reward. That might not be the right number, so don't quote me on it. Either way, WikiLeaks came out and offered a reward to find out who murdered Mr. Rich. According to Washington, D.C., uh, the police, they say it was just a robbery gone wrong. And I'll tell you, it was a robbery gone very wrong because they didn't steal anything, uh, which seems to me uh, that should be an indicator to the police that, hey, maybe it wasn't a robbery. Perhaps it was indeed an assassination, which is extremely possible. And that's a whole nother story that we're going to be covering here in the recent weeks. So this is the episode with the information as we had it, as we knew it. 
and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And, of course, we're going to continue to follow all of this stuff extremely closely and, uh, and keep you entertained, keep you educated, and hopefully keep you mildly sane, the most sane uh, we can be in these turbulent times. Again, the country, it is a democracy. It is a republic that is um, a work in progress, and it is an experiment. Like all tests, some fail and some succeed. And uh, we possibly are going through a failure at this point. But again, a lot of the greatest technologies and a lot of the greatest scientific achievements have come from failures. So uh, let's keep some faith. Let's keep some hope. As a nation, I think we're showing that our political system is working slowly but surely. It is potentially flushing out some of the more nefarious creatures. And uh, I think we're going to be a stronger nation at the end of this because we're realizing uh, division, and hyperpartisanship is why we got to this place, and we need to scale it back, come together, and create the nation that we want to see happen. Um, all right, everyone, here's the show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Hey, Marcus Parks. How are you? I hear you're a Webby Award winner. <laughs> that I am. Wow. I am. Do you feel different? Have you changed? You know what? You have changed. Your <laughs> attitude is different. Well, once I get my gigantic spring here in the studio, (laughs) that's what their uh, awards are. They're just big fucking springs. Edith Massey's bed spring (laughs) is basically what they're giving out. For those that don't remember, Edith Massey, a legend uh, of John Waters, a John Waters creation to some degree. Mm -hmm. Gotta love John Waters. Yes, we went. I want to thank everybody in Texas. Uh, we had amazing shows. I think the mm. second, third, and fourth shows, we really found our groove. We did, man. And uh, meeting everyone was phenomenal and incredible, and Texas could not have been better. If I see barbecue, I will punch you. <laughs> I I never want, I never thought I would say this sentence, but I'm I'm over barbecue. You just wait I'm just to, not that into it. Just wait till next week. Oh, God. <laughs> wait till next week and old Mabel's comes a call. Ooh, Mabel's is a great uh, barbecue place here in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. If you're visiting... Uh, take a tour, have a sit, have some barbecue, tell them I sent you, they'll charge you double. <laughs> um, so we had a busy, busy week, obviously, in politics. We took a one week off, and the whole damn world burned down. I mean, it's. <laughs> I was thinking about it. The last time we went on tour was uh, to the U.K. last year, and that was the week of Grabber by the Pussy. I don't think we should leave anymore. <laughs> I, I'm pretty certain we need to stay right here in these chairs at all times, uh, keeping, uh, making sure we are the guardians of this galaxy. <laughs> I guess so, man. To some degree. Um, yes, we had a great time. Uh, we'll get into uh, Trump and Russia, the story that never seems to end. I watched the Roger Stone documentary. Get me Roger Stone is what it's called. And uh, some would argue it, uh, it paints him in a negative light. But uh, Roger Stone would say it paints me accurately. And I love being the devil, <laughs> uh, which he embraces the negative, the, the dark lord uh, metaphor for his life so hard that this is actually, in his mind, a positive documentary. If you get a chance, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Uh, Travis Irvine, who is uh, my campaign manager and a frequent guest on the show, is mentioned in the credits. Really? Yes, as a, it's a special thanks. And I said, I don't know if that's good, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's okay. He is mentioned, and he was thrilled. And uh, so congratulations to Travis Irvine for being mentioned in a documentary about one of the worst political figures in history. <laughs> good for him. Um, I do do, I, yeah, last night was so much fun. I did piss off Vice. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit of whiskey, and I did tell Vice what I thought about their brand. Oh, what'd you and, 
think? Well, you know, just <laughs> a bunch of accurate things about them sending uh, preteen models into war zones uh, like Yemen to check out the guacamole, uh, which is what Vice does. They're like, you're a super hot chick. I hear there's some new hibachi joint in South Africa. Why don't you go check it out? Uh, and then inevitably somewhere at some point, someone will die. Definitely. And, and Vice just sends these people out. I believe they get $15,000, and, uh, and that's it. And they are completely irresponsible uh, journalism is, is vice. And uh, they were sitting right by the table for time. This is at the Webby's that I'm referring to. And I forget the other huge corporation they were sitting by. And I'm like, vice, just be vice. Sit in the back. <laughs> but they wanted to be uh, front and center. So when Joel McHale, who was the man who gave the, uh, the uh, he, I guess he was kind of roasty. Yeah. He was a little roasty. He was the presenter, the main presenter, performer, uh, host of the Webby's. I guess they wanted to be really surrounded by his spit. Yeah, I guess they did. I guess they wanted to pay that $8,000 took to buy one of those tables up front. Why don't you try to pay my friends who work for your network? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, and bring ancient aliens back. They took over H2, uh-huh. History Channel 2, which was the home for ancient aliens, and they replaced it with a fat rapper watching ancient aliens. <laughs> yeah, no more Book of Secrets. Oh, God. And I have no problem with Action Bronson, but I'm, I'm just get, get out of the way and let me watch ancient aliens. But is there another secret explanation? I don't know. You have to tell me. <laughs> Please, ancient aliens. Um, Yeah, so we had a great time. So let's get into it. Um, We have a new FBI director. James Comey is now out. Uh, I believe it's a fellow named McCabe who is the current acting FBI director. Yes, it is. It is. um, Oh, this man, Andrew McCabe. Uh, He was obviously the deputy beneath uh, James Comey, and then he's been given a position that probably nobody on the face of the planet wants, including Senator John Cornyn out of Texas, uh, who was up for uh, possibly being the FBI director. But believe it or not, he fell back in love with his family. (laughs) And he said, it's better for my family if I don't take this promotion. We dodged a bullet there. Cornyn is a fucking demon. There are a bunch of demons working out out there right now. There's no denying that. Um, So what do you think, Marcus? A lot of people are... Uh, talking about the firing of James Comey. This proves collusion with the Russians. Obviously, James Comey was investigating uh, Donald Trump and the Trump administration, uh, Michael Flynn, the whole the whole nine uh, regarding the Russians and their impact on the elections. Do you think this proves that James Comey was getting too close to the truth? Or do you think that this is just something that Donald Trump was going to do no matter what? I don't think I think it had more to do with uh, not necessarily that Donald Trump uh, was colluding with the Russians, but I think Donald Trump was just sick of people talking about him colluding with the Russians at the very least, right. I think, because, uh, of course, I'm not saying that there was no collusion with the Russians, uh, but I think another more plausible explanation here could be that Comey wasn't dropping it. Trump, because apparently reports from inside the White House mm-hmm. say that anytime uh, Trump was watching Fox mm-hmm. News, as mm-hmm. he's wont to do, yes, uh, and somebody mentioned Russia, he'd start screaming and yelling at the television. Can but- you imagine that? Can you imagine him watching Fox News just mm-hmm. Eating a bowl of ice cream just <laughs> off a human being's back and just screaming chocolate chips flying at the screen. He's so livid. I mean, this is straight out of Pee Wee Herman's presidency. Yeah. He is, what's the name of the bully? Francis. He's Francis. It is unbelievable. So he watches television news and gets livid. Like, ever, honestly, like many average Americans do, mm-hmm. this is this is a selling point, I suppose, for him many to some degree. Many elderly Americans, possibly with Alzheimer's, but possibly. That's a- 
That is a possibility. The Alex Joneses <laughs> of the world, uh, Roger Stones of the world, believe that will be a new narrative coming forward now with mainstream media talking about uh, the mental health of Donald Trump. Of course, the irony would be that was one of the major issues with the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, if you recall, the coughing fits and, of course, the fainting uh, during mm-hmm. the 9-11 memorial uh, uh, ceremony. Uh, I was watching this thing this morning. I was watching. Uh, it's, it was Alex Jones and Roger Stone uh. yelling Outside in the dark. Good. Uh, That's how they do it. <laughs> taking turns, like putting each other on the camera phone, <laughs> on the iPhone. And uh, mm. Alex Jones is like, is he perfect? Absolutely not. I mean, no. hell, I'm not perfect. I do a good job 60, 70% of the time, but Trump does it 90% of the time. 90%. 1776. 1776. Those are my calm down numbers. 1776. Okay. Yeah. I'm only, I'm only mildly homicidal right now. I think I'm ready to go on air. But these guys, say uh, that the new narrative that's coming up is right. that Donald Trump is has Alzheimer's uh, because they said that they already tried going at him mm-hmm. uh, when all the psychiatrists said that Donald Trump is mentally ill like they broke with a precedent by all coming together and saying like no that we even though we have not examined this guy we believe that he is mentally ill and right. uh, Alex Jones says like well the psychiatry industry has already been discredited so they're going to try to go the medical route. He's a Scientologist now apparently <laughs> because that's exactly what the Scientologists believe and you can see the cult of Donald Trump is very similar to a Scientologist, to an individual who would prescribe to that ideology. The cognitive dissonance is phenomenal to watch uh, right now on the right. So James Comey is gone. Uh, Now, I have an idea that I don't think is really being expressed. I believe, and I was talking to my friend Omiki Konst last night, um, she is a big supporter of Eric Adams, so we had a fun political debate. (laughs) Eric Adams being your opponent in the Brooklyn Borough President race. Brooklyn Borough President race. Absolutely. So I'm loving talking about the politics and i know it's probably uh driving you nuts marcus no it's fine i love it okay good thank you um but she was talking i I mentioned how i believe that hillary clinton would have fired james comey on day one Mm -hmm. because of course james comey october 27 that's when he reopened the investigation uh into her email scandal of course because of anthony weiner the it follows of political scandals the haunting uh curse that was anthony weiner in the 2016 campaign for hillary clinton i believe she would have fired him very soon uh, into taking office. Now, uh, Nomiki said that I don't. She doesn't believe that to be true because Hillary understands optics, she understands politics, and she understands how horrible that would look. Um, but I'm not quite sure if that's true. I think the the rage that Hillary had towards James Comey and the Democratic Party uh, as a whole would have been enough. Uh, it would have been sufficient enough for her to fire James Comey without the air of like, oh, this is a um, this is to cover up a political scandal. Because at that point, the email scandal, which really at the end of the day never turned into anything. No, it was just a trickle, trickle, trickle of slow, uh, a slow trickle of meaningless information for was, the most part. It was Chinese water torture. It really was. I mean, the only important things that came out of the 2016 uh, election regarding leaks was the DNC collusion with the Hillary Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I believe that James Comey would have been gone no matter what i mean this man angered the power establishment because he was very open with senators and people in congress uh people in the house um and they loved him james comey was actually a fairly uh, liked individual with the politicians on the lower levels you know with with the house and the senate but i can see the executive office not exactly being thrilled with a sitting uh, fbi director being very open about his investigations and things of that nature especially in a white house that is suffering 
massive leaks. Like a, they need, what was the name of that stupid substance we saw, the infomercial? Oh, the one where the guy cuts the boat, boat in, in half, half and then yeah. he, he glues it back together with about a million dollars worth of this product. That's how many, I mean, this, the boat is cut in half right yeah. now. And, and they are, they are floating on a, uh, a boat with the bottom. The bottom is a screen door. Mm-hmm. Very similar to that other. This, the, the, so you're saying that our government is a polar submarine? I think it is. I think that it is. So I could see the reasons behind, uh, rational reasons behind firing James Comey if you are uh, in the executive office and you want to uh, maintain control. Also, and I'm not defending Donald Trump uh, whatsoever because, of course, I mean, there's something here with this Russian investigation. It continues, and, and rightfully so. And the FBI investigation is much larger than just James Comey. The FBI investigation will continue. Of course, now Donald Trump will have a say in who does the investigation, which will, of course, have extreme um, – it'll have a uh, – it'll lead to a different outcome, perhaps. Well, there's no and, denying that. Unless there's a special prosecutor appointed. Right. Which I think would be the best. I think the best of both worlds. And I think there's a lot of Republicans who want a special prosecutor. And, of course, a lot of Democrats. But the other thing, as you were mentioning, uh, with Donald Trump watching television, nonstop television, um, James Comey got a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And he enjoyed the spotlight to some degree, which is kind of a unique uh, character trait for somebody as the FBI director. These people tend to be a little bit more secretive. But, again, James Comey. Uh, he was very uh, charismatic, and he sought the sought the spotlight. And what we're seeing on a regular basis with the Trump administration, as soon as someone gets in front of the cameras too much, Donald Trump cuts them off. Yeah, they're axed. They're gone. That's what happened to Bannon. That's what that's been happening time and time and time it's again. Starting to happen to Spicer. Absolutely, Kim Gilfoyle of Fox News, who I've seen many many times uh, running desperately running not to be late to the set. Um, She's a very nice person from what I understand. She might be the new spokesperson uh, for the White House, which would just be, uh, you know, absolutely fascinating. You know, we talk about this uh, on a, we talked about this quite a bit regarding Donna Brazile, for example, who uh, after Debbie Wasserman Schultz was ousted as the DNC chair after, again, the collusion with the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, came to light, and we saw how they railroaded the best candidate in the race, Bernie Sanders. The fluidity of media to government. There is something not good about that. And I don't like the idea of Kim Guilfoyle going from a Fox News set to a White House press room just like that. I, I feel like it, 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 it leads to an erosion of our democracy. Is this something new? But who are the people that were press secretaries? Like, uh, who was the press secretary for... Uh, Josh Ernest was did, under Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what did he do before he was press secretary? I mean, are all I know these... That I, I don't recall him having a media job, yeah. but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. For example, I mean, Spicer... What about old Turd Blossom? Turd Blossom? <laughs> Which one is Turd Blossom? Oh, no, wait, never mind. Turd Blossom was what George W. Bush called Carl Rove. I think <laughs> he had another. Oh, why did he W. Had... have to be such a war maniac? All I want to do is love this guy who would nickname his, the main creator of his campaign, Turd Blossom, and paint pictures of dogs while he's in the tub. Why can't we just like this guy? Oh, that's right. He's a war criminal. He's a war criminal, I yes. I forgot we about that. should never forget that George W. Bush is Ugh. a war criminal and is responsible for many of the bad things things that are going on in America today. The shockwaves of the Bush presidency will be dealt with by our children and our children's children. Please do not, no matter how cute he is, never forget that. Uh, Horrible, horrible monster of a man with his foreign policy. I'm sure Chairman Mao had some wonderfully adorable moments. I'm sure he did as well.
Um, so what happens exactly what Marcus was saying with Sean Spicer. Now, you're right. I believe he is maybe getting too big for his britches. Uh, obviously, we see the SNL parodies on a regular basis. It's It hasn't relaunched Melissa McCarthy's career. It just happens to be something that she is getting a lot of press for, her playing of Sean Spicer on Saturday Night Live, which she is much better than Alec Baldwin is at Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, so at least she's funny with it. And, of course, I think we've – it's been settled regarding the uh, parody of Donald Trump. The impressionist uh, Anthony Atamanik has won uh, the feud <laughs> yeah. between Alec Baldwin uh, and himself regarding who plays uh, a better Donald Trump. I think we can all agree Atamanik does. Mm-hmm. But Spicer is getting a lot of attention. So, yeah, you're right. He's on the chopping block. Kim Guilfoyle uh, might be able to take that position from him. So I think it's a, it was a two-prong issue uh, regarding James Comey. He got too big, and he was talking too much. He did have, obviously, the Russian investigation happening. He was getting the spotlight. Donald Trump, uh, there was that great story. I don't know if we talked about it here on the show. Did we talk about when he met with Richard Hatch? No. Okay, so there was a moment. I was talking to my friend. They were backstage. This must have been 20 years ago now. And uh, Richard Hatch, he was uh, he was the winner of the first season of the hit reality TV show Survivor. That's right. And uh, he was gay and naked. Ooh. Do you remember that? I do remember that. The whole we think that like people are like, I can't believe Lena Dunham would dare show us her body. We had to watch Richard Hatch <laughs> run around a beach for what was that show? Three months long. It's a long time. And we had to like it. We had to be like, <laughs> he is a hero. Look at the way he's just nude with his strange Ben Kissel like. Body. Turn down the Spice Girls. I've got to watch Survivor. Mm. <laughs> Richard Hatch and Donald Trump were hanging out backstage at the same event, and I forget what event that it was. And all the media swarmed to Richard Hatch, and Donald Trump got super pissed, grabbed, I believe it was Melania at that time, and they just like stormed. He stormed off. He was so pissed that the media attention didn't come to him, and it went to this nude reality star, Richard Hatch, and this was before he had The Apprentice. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump needs that spotlight. He loves that spotlight, and when he sees somebody else take that spotlight, he takes it as a personal offense, and he wants that person gone, because he sees it as competition, which is what his mentor, Roy Cohen, would tell him it was well now uh he's even proved that even further by his suggestions that he's gonna do away with daily press briefings and possibly do like a bi-weekly press conference with himself sure so the d- camera is always on him the problem is he needs with, it. with all these things like these narcissistic habits that he has and these things that he's doing like they're also bad for the country they're also destroying the country because it's putting a a little narcissistic child in charge of everything and he's ruining so many institutions that americans hold dear that have made america work for such a long time well one of the major things of course as we've talked about regularly on this podcast is jeff sessions what is he doing as attorney general we have to continue watching him he has just sent out a message to prosecutors around uh, the country throughout the entire nation he wants to go back to pre-obama era uh, prosecutions uh, regarding drug use. He wants he wants a uh, maximum sentence. He, want, he wants prosecutors to always seek the maximum sentence. This is real life stuff. These have real ramifications to millions and millions of Americans. So Jeff Sessions, as you were just saying, is eroding um, some of the progress that Barack Obama was able to make. And obviously we, we criticize Barack Obama on a regular basis uh, for some of his foreign policy decisions, uh, just sort of his uh, approach at, at some times uh, regarding addressing the nations during national tragedies. Of course, we had Ferguson. We had multiple riots happening all over the country under the eight years of Barack Obama. But one of the things that he did do that was right, and this is the 
cornerstone of my platform for Brooklyn Borough President is criminal justice reform. At, at least attempted to move the needle a little bit more towards rational policy. Of course, the president can't do it all and can't unravel these years and years and years of systemic racism and of a billion-dollar industry that is the prison industrial complex, but he tried. He tried. I mean, these people uh, that Donald Trump is appointing, and like you said, Ben, like, like this is very real stuff. Like, this isn't yeah. just something uh, that we're going to give him a shot on. You know, like, yeah, all the people that said, let's give Trump a shot. Let's get him in there. Let's see what he does. You know, the system is broken, and what is happening mm-hmm. is the system is just breaking down even further, and it's not being replaced with anything. Uh, because I'm all for... Reform. I'm sure, all for let, let's do something different. Yes, there are a lot of things in America that are broken. There's a lot of things that don't work totally. right now. But a lot of the things that they are tearing down are things that do work sure. already. I mean, you look at what they did with the ACA. Some of the things, the uh, the pre-existing conditions term. Uh, and also, um, we've talked about this a little bit, I believe. Their plan, of course, if you don't get health care within a certain amount of time, you have a 30% tax. When you actually do get health care, you have a 30% charge um, extra on your bill, which is a tax which is the exact same thing that Obamacare did. Yeah. And then, of course, they're getting rid of the pre-existing conditions. Um, having insurance companies, sure, they do technically have to take you, but they can also charge you whatever they want, which well, basically does away with the uh, securing pre-existing conditions, with which both Marcus and myself have, mm-hmm. and which I'm sure many, many of our listeners have, because what the hell is a pre-existing condition? Is it a mental illness? Did you stub a toe when you were in sixth grade? What is it? It is a mental illness. If uh, this thing goes through, then bipolar disorder is considered to be one of the major mental disorders, uh, and my personal insurance uh, will go up at least, at the very least, mm. and this is just a, a subsidy, just go up at the very least $8,000 mm. a year. Uh, and there's, it's even worse for, like, for, for example, like rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. That's $26,000 a year. And that is a female issue as well. That is a oh, ladies absolutely. because women suffer from rheumatoid arthritis much more than men do. And that's going to be all across the board. Like all these mm-hmm. pre-existing conditions, like this is going to affect women much more than it's going to affect men. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to affect the elderly a lot more than it will the youth. Obviously, the entire program doesn't uh, exist if, if young people don't invest in it. Um, but the elderly people right now, they're saying a person of 65 years of age or older, uh, let's say they're paying $1,000 right now, they could go up to $14,000 a year um, if young people don't get involved in buying uh, and purchasing insurance. And as we know, as we all, all of us were young once, you don't think you need it. No. Uh, I mean, currently I'm looking for health care right now and I'm 35 years old. I don't, I'm not even currently insured. Um, so it, it's not going to work if the young generation doesn't actually get health care. The old generation is going to be totally screwed. And who goes to the doctor the most? Yeah. Obviously older people. Obviously. And they need the medication the most. And the ACA was not perfect. It, absolutely not. In fact, oh, no. it was far from perfect. It needed to be fixed. It needed to be yeah. fixed. You know, like there were a ton of problems, the or are a ton of problems with the ACA. They absolutely need to be fixed. I but you can't just no. torch something. No. And then like it, it's almost like it, you've got a house that is in badly in need of repair. And they want to burn that house down and give you a couple but of still planks, live in it but still li- but yeah. give you a couple of burn it down give you a couple of planks of wood and say rebuild right and yeah. live in this and it, it's not going to work no it's not going to work and i don't think the uh the the house the the house that passed 
this uh, new version, the Republican version of the Affordable Care Act. I don't believe it will pass the Senate. It's going to be changed every uh, every which way, and at the end of the day, it won't. It'll be a shell of what it is now, and I don't see it passing anyway. But I do want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned uh, regarding changing the structure of Washington. One of the interesting things about the Roger Stone documentary that I didn't realize. They created this new version of uh, of American governance. Mm-hmm. They created with their firm. It was uh, it was Roger Stone, Lee Atwater, and uh, the former head of the Trump campaign. Oh, Manafort. I'm, Manafort. Paul Manafort. And there was another guy. I believe his name was Black. Uh, they were the ones who started negotiating with dictators all across the world, helping them get elected, helping them main, maintain power. They were the first firm to really get people elected by just destroying their opponents. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roger Stone was talking about his philosophy of hate is a greater motivator than love. Uh, and you can see that with Donald Trump. And of course, in many, many ways, he is correct, which is why when love wins, we have to like applaud and we're in shock mm-hmm. because hate such a corner fundamental human emotion. And he understands how to get it. And he understands how to make people hate other individuals and go with the lesser of two evils. They, he thrives in a world where elections are about a lesser of two evils because he can make someone look evil, yeah. which is exactly what he did with Hillary Clinton after the grab him by the pussy tape. Uh, that's when uh, Donald Trump just took his advice, went scorched earth, and was just Bill Clinton is a rapist. That's all. He just continued that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did the press conference. They had the four. Um, was it his uh, idea? It to, was Stone's idea. All, was, it, was it Stone's idea to bring, uh, what was it, Jennifer Flowers to the debate? Yeah, all four of them. He brought or all four of them. Of, yeah. That's a total Stone move. Yeah, of course that's a Stone so move. That, Stone is a, a fucking horrific human being. The, I, I, I hesitate to even call Roger Stone a human being. Well, we have. He is a human being. Scientifically, um, he's got a Nixon tattoo. <laughs> what a human! But he is not a member of the. He is not a member of the human race. Like he well, is a demon outside of the rest of us, that he, enjoys uh, destroying lives, uh, enjoys hate, lives on hate. Uh, he, he does. Is and if he is, he's responsible for this. I mean, he looks at the yeah. American political system right now. He, he looks at it. it and he loves it. He's proud of it. He made it. That's the that's the great irony of Donald Trump talking about draining the swamp and all these things. Uh, Paul Manafort, of course, Roger Stone was officially removed from the campaign uh, because after the Megyn Kelly line where Donald Trump talked about where she's bleeding from her wherever, mm-hmm. Roger Stone said, I'm out. Uh, of course, it's not, he's not some raging feminist. I believe he was fired and just sort of played it off. But he has to be in the background. That's yeah. where he that's where he thrives. No, he's, he's the, the smoking of, man from X-Files. Yeah, he's the man of the shadows. He has to be in the shadows. Yeah. He put Manafort in charge of the Trump campaign. He was the one who got him into that position. So this whole, uh, this whole lobbying firm that was created by these guys were the main uh, – they, they created the modern American political system, which is obviously just corrupt – crony capitalism it is uh completely soulless they are the creators of it so this whole notion that donald trump was going to drain some swamp is a total misnomer and a complete and utter lie because the people that were running his campaign were the creators of the swamp they dug the damn hole yeah and they they helped get the the, the you know the uh the cryptids in it you know so it's 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 very interesting. Check out that Roger Stone documentary because it does give you some really fascinating insight into uh, Donald Trump, the campaign, and you can see um, that he was following the lead of Roger Stone, and he finally, Roger Stone finally had a candidate that was able to uh, understand the amount of hatred that has to come out of your mouth in order to become the president of the United States. A candidate that was evil enough to listen to him. A and, candidate that was well, a desperate. Big, I think I think a, a desperate enough. A candidate that was a big enough piece of shit. 
to completely and totally listen to all of Roger Stone's evil, hateful ways. All of his yeah. evil, hateful directions. That's what Donald Trump is. I mean, being associated with Roger Stone is being associated with everything that is wrong in the world. He's got a Nixon tattoo. Come on. <laughs> he can't be that bad. <laughs> I mean, the the Nixon tattoo is the best thing about him. Yeah, that is the best thing about him. I actually really like that Nixon tattoo. I, I it's quite lo- funny. I love the Nixon tattoo. But can you imagine but- if you were with a woman and she had that? And you know, you're in... <laughs> In the midst of a, a, a coitus situation, you're just like, I can't, can you, we, let's just, do, we'll just do it one way. <laughs> you have a Nixon tattoo staring me in the face. Uh, oh, buddy. You know, he was, you know, Roger Stone was very similar, um, well, much more uh, dangerous and again, much more active in the corruption of the American political system, but similar to our friend Mark McKinnon, who's been on the show. Yeah. Uh, he's just a political operative. He worked for Bob Dole. And of course, the Dole campaign is where he, the scandal broke about him hiring uh, people for sex parties and things like that. And, yeah. then, and then, of course, he had to go away because Bob Dole didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all these political operatives are hired guns, but you know, some hired guns are willing to kill children. While yeah. others are not like that, yes. there are uh, hired guns have lines, and Roger Stone does not have any lines. He does not. Um, all right. So what else has happened here regarding uh, Donald Trump? I mean, this whole week. Well, we the are- Russia, uh, the the admission, or not necessarily, yeah, the admission that uh, Donald Trump shared classified information with the Russians. Right. This this whole thing. Now, of course. Uh, if you are a, a proponent of Donald Trump, you will argue the president decides what's classified. He does. And if he shares it, and that is true, that is the, one of the powers of the office, if he shares it and deems it not classified, it's not classified. Yeah, I mean, he does decide what is classified and what is not classified. He does decide whether or not he wants to share something mm-hmm. uh, with a foreign power. But I can also decide if I want to piss my pants in public or not. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I should do it. Legally, I can piss myself in public. That but is it's a true. bad idea. Well, it's just uncomfortable. You, you, you <laughs> and it's going to embarrass everybody with me. It's gonna oh, yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to do it around, yeah. like, Henry and I. Yeah, if I, say, like, last night, I were to go on stage when, during the uh, Webbies, we're doing our stupid five-word acceptance speech, and I just start pissing myself. Technically, we can do that all night long and not say anything. <laughs> our five, by the way, our five-word acceptance speech was Magustalations, we demand a recount. Yes. Which I thought was very fun. Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm on stage, I'm pissing myself. It's going to embarrass both of you, uh, and sure. you're also probably not going to trust me as, as much as you once did, and that's what sure. this was. Uh, and he did have the right, absolutely. He did not do anything mm. illegal, uh, but what he did is he shared information with uh, the Russians that was classified code word. Uh, because there are four different stages of classification. Right. There's classified, top secret, above top secret, and uh, code word. And mm-hmm. this was code word information. And the reason why this stuff is classified or top secret uh, is they're trying to protect their sources. Uh, but Donald Trump gave enough information to the Russians for the Russians to figure out where exactly these sources are from, where exactly these sources are coming from. Uh, and it wouldn't necessarily be such a bad thing uh, because the the information was supposedly about ISIS, uh, and of course Russia is fighting ISIS as well. Yep. But we are also at odds on Syria. Okay, 
That, that, yes, that is very true. This all comes down to if you believe the Washington Post story. If you believe because, the Washington Post story. Uh, but it is H.R. McMaster. He is uh, he's the former general, and now he he's a national security advisor. H.R. McMaster says that he was in the meeting with Donald Trump, and he did not give uh, a uh, highly classified information. He actually says here, the president and the foreign minister spoke about a range of common threats, including threats to aviation. At no time were intelligence sources or methods discussed. And this is coming from H.R. McMaster. Yeah, who, but the next day, Donald Trump came out and tweeted and said that he did do it. Well, that makes it confusing. Doesn't it? <laughs> that makes it. That, yeah. Yes. But the <laughs> national security <laughs> advice. But we he came do out and he made all of his people look like assholes. Yes, he, he made McMaster look like a dickhead. You know, it's not that difficult to do uh, if you look at the guy. <laughs> he made but, all of his people look like assholes. And yeah. this is information we didn't even share with Germany. Like Der, Spie- Der Spiegel. Their big newspaper. Der Spiegel. Der Spiegel. Sounds like a dog. Yeah, Der Spiegel. Uh, that That's Germany's biggest newspaper, and they reported uh, that even Germany didn't have this information. Germany is one of our closest allies. Technically, Russia is not an ally. Right. Russia is an antagonist, and right. we're sharing classified information with him. And is it – and it could if, be – If they did it. If, the, if they did it, but – it's the tweet. It's Donald Trump's tweet saying it's right. my, that's the tweet. That's the that is a smoking gun. And of course, also Donald Trump revealed that he probably has his entire Oval Office Nixoned, which is what we <laughs> call it when we have our live stream and uh, we're being recorded. Nixon. It seems like he has uh, his entire office recording every word yeah. uh, that he says, which is not going to do. He doesn't learn a lot from history, does he? No. He, well, he doesn't read, Ben. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> he watches. You forget. You forget that he doesn't read. Yes. A- at all. Well, he, he's just Well, the the thing is about all this is that no matter what the explanation is, it's bad. Uh yeah. because you can of course you can go like full-blown Russian and say that he's uh, colluding with the Russians and sharing this information with them because sure. he's uh, in cahoots with them, which mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe. Uh, the other explanation is that he just doesn't know that he's not supposed to tell them top-secret shit, and he was just trying to impress them. I the, do believe He was just that, trying to yeah. impress because there was one person that said, mm-hmm. uh, that was in the meeting and said that uh, Trump was saying, I have great intel. I have the best intel. I get great intel every day. Right. And so he's... Is he, what, is he just showing them his dick? Is that what this is? Just tell them, this, look at how much I know? That's yeah. fucking stupid. Because what that does is that if, if other countries start seeing that Donald Trump can so flippantly reveal sources and can so flippantly give out information that they have given him, they will stop giving us information. And when they stop giving us information, that's when bad shit happens. Yeah, I mean, it is, and it does seem to be bipartisan, people very concerned about his ability, as you were just saying, to hold secrets close to his chest and hold his cards. To fucking uh, be president! To be president, yes. That is very (laughs) true. I understand what you're saying. Um, That's what we've been saying for a goddamn year, is that this guy, the the president thing, being president is not the same as being a CEO. Like, it's not... It It is different. It's much Uh, different. Top Democrat Representative Adam (laughs) Schiff, he called the report deeply disturbing, and even Republican uh, Senator Bob Corker, he's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said of the Trump White House, Obviously, they're in a downward spiral right now. They're in a downward spiral. So we seem to have bipartisan support over the idea that Donald Trump has 
very limited capacity to understand what he's doing regarding foreign affairs, foreign policy, and diplomacy, yeah. uh, which is, of course, the uh, cornerstone of his uh, campaign was he can get things done because he's a great negotiator, the art of the deal, and it turns out uh, that book was written by somebody else, <laughs> uh, obviously. Well, yeah, and you know, and maybe he can do things uh, for jobs, and maybe he can do sure. things uh, for the economy, uh, but maybe. that's not going to matter if you're dead. It's not going to matter if you're fucking dead. Yep. It's not because that what he's doing with shit like this, like this is making America le- much well, I don't much, wanna, much less safe. If I it, don't want to fearmonger I, though. I don't think I'm not I'm not I'm there's not there's a lot of that going on, but hey, I'm not fearmongering yeah. here, dude. I'm, this is a fact that if he start if our allies see that he is going to tell that he's going to share the intelligence that they share with us, with other people, without asking them, without telling them that he's going to be doing it, they are going to stop sharing information with us. Sure, and that which would makes, theoretically make us unsafe. I which understand. makes which makes us unsafe. Like that. That's well, not, I don't think I've been trying to be very careful about not fear mongering uh, on this show when it comes to Donald Trump. But it is really start. We are very much starting to see very real things happen. Absolutely, and of course. Uh, like you just said, the National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, uh, they are in a um, they're in an interesting precarious position where they do realize, I believe, that they're dealing with somebody who might not have the uh, the intellect or the desire to um, sort of grow in his knowledge of being the president of the United States and understanding these foreign affairs. And they're in a very tough position uh, because at the end of the day, they have to serve. Uh, this man, and they have to serve uh, the American people. I think the institution uh, survives. I think the institution is so ingrained, and I'm talking about the military-industrial complex, which in this situation, uh, because Donald Trump is so erratic and so irrational, the one thing we know about the military-industrial complex is they are one steady force uh, for for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. But you don't really, they don't really bend or break. Uh, depending on who the president is, and of course, a lot of people uh, would refer to this as the deep state and things like that. Which is why uh, a lot of people say it's on average around six months before the president of the United States, whoever that person is, uh, becomes sort of infected with this sort of deep state notion of foreign affairs, foreign policy, and uh, an overall world domination, which is, uh, of course, the people behind the scenes, uh, the people pulling the strings. That is what they want to see, and that's what they have, and that's why uh, America is the largest uh, global force, uh, military force, uh, the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I do think he's got people around him. The, uh, the, um, the infrastructure is there, and I think it will withstand uh, another three and a half Three and a half years of of Donald Trump. (laughs) And you know what, man? If we get through three and a half years without um, any sort of terrorist attack, whether it be domestic or foreign, uh, if we get through the next three and a half years without anything like that and we come out the other end and we've got more jobs and the economy's better, then I will wipe my brow and I will say, phew, and I will say I was wrong, and I will say, thank Christ I was wrong. I yep. don't want bad things to happen. No, Trust no, me, the no, last thing I want is for bad things to happen. I'm not here hoping for something bad to happen to prove my point. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, of course. Um, and people are stressed out, uh, naturally. Um, they also, uh, Donald Trump has promised to get rid of the MS-13 gang. Oh, yeah, man. So that's, uh, well, that is good. You know, that's just kind of something that we've been uh, sitting on for a while now. We haven't really been trying to get rid of them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> of course, they're a terrible <laughs> gang. Um, just briefly, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, 
uh, Texas. In Texas, I met with some individuals. First of all, we went with Charlie and Thomas, your brothers. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're so wonderful. And your mother and your father and your whole family, uh, they came out to the show in Dallas. And uh, we came came on stage. And for those that haven't seen the live shows, the audience is so nice. And they were like, yeah, you know. And then your mother said, oh, y'all, I started crying. And yeah. she started crying, which was so sweet. Yeah, she's very proud. But it was interesting talking with Thomas and Charlie and also uh, a couple of fans at the show in Houston uh, regarding the border and the militarization of the border patrol. Uh, evidently, there were people that came to our Houston show who were stopped on their way to the show. They were looking for illegal immigrants, obviously, in their car. Um, and uh, and then, uh, so their their perspective was like something, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, they are living in a war zone, and they're the ones who are on the front lines of it. And then I also had a great chance to talk to uh, to Thomas uh, regarding their, their um, situation with some un- undocumented people, mm-hmm. uh, regarding their use of multiple social security numbers and, uh, you know, them sort of taking money from the government, stealing identities and things like that. So this illegal immigration issue, it is extremely important. And it was fascinating seeing and listening to people who are on the border who actually deal with it on a daily basis, whether it be uh, employers of, uh, of people who might be undocumented workers or individuals who are uh, you know school teachers and uh, and who have to live on a border that is uh, quite frankly terrifying a lot of their students mm-hmm. uh, which is the militarized the militarized uh, border patrol so I'm gonna do a little bit more research on that topic and uh, and we'll talk about that uh, with greater uh, gravity here coming up in the near future because I do think that's an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing now under Donald Trump of course the immigration is down 60 percent people crossing the border uh, the the message has come it has gotten through mm-hmm. uh, that uh, America is no longer a, a place to flee to and we we read an article in uh, the New York Times, or, or it was rather it was CNN, and it was talking about the casualties in Mexico. And uh, 23,000 people were killed in Mexico in 2016. It is a civil war happening in that country. The only other nation that was worse was Syria, which is obviously another civil war with 50,000 individuals. So I spoke out and I said, I believe that's why I believe uh, a lot of the people fleeing uh, that country are refugees, and yeah. I think some of them do need to be treated uh, with refugee status. And then, of course, we have people that do want to come over in the border and join MS-13 and these kind of gangs, of and we have to treat them with a different set of standards. But there is no reason why we can't have a uh, a system in place that actually registers motivation, reasons for coming over. I mean, just set it up. It's It's like any other border. Um, we can figure out a path to citizenship so they don't have to be scamming uh, different uh, social security numbers so they can actually get here, work legally. And, of course, the individuals who come here uh, and break the law should be treated like anybody else who breaks the law with punishment and of imprisonment. Course. Yeah, of, of course. You know, we're, we're when we say that, uh, you know, the people coming over from Mexico are, are refugees, we're not saying that every single person who no. comes over is a refugee. I mean, we're not idiots. But many of them uh, are. But many, many of them are. You yeah. know, like there, there's no uh, there's no reason whatsoever why we can't treat the uh, Mexican immigrant issue with compassion. Absolutely. We absolutely can. And, and that I, and was I, something that, I mean, W. Before yeah. before we well, got yeah. entrenched in the worst war in the United States history, that was his whole plan. Compassionate conservative, that, absolutely. That was his whole thing, you know. And uh, for some reason, I, I, I think compassion has just been lost in uh, the whole immigrant debate. It is. Um, it, it is completely lost. But and it's I really think, unfortunate. And, but but the, on the, the other people, hand, I, I think sometimes you can have too much compassion. Sure. You know, it, it can go once. For some reason, it, it's uh, people saying that you know they're they're all great, they're all wonderful, bring sure. them on over. And on the other side, saying they're all evil. They're all rapists. We They're cannot, all criminals. We, There's a middle ground. I'm always. sure some of them are good people. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> some of them. But that is the problem that we have with the two party system, with the duopoly of power. 
it is binary thinking that is so ingrained in our in uh, in our political structure, and that is really bad. Like all human beings, there is a different. They they uh, there is a vast scale of personalities, intent, motivation for coming over into this country, and we need to have a human policy, not just a rigid uh, philosophy uh, regarding immigration, because. As we always talk about, rigid bridges break, mm-hmm. and wings on a plane, there's a reason they can almost touch each other. You have to have fluidity. You have to be pragmatic, and we need to be more pragmatic in our debate uh, regarding immigrants. And I am really starting to listen to teachers yeah. on this issue um, because I feel like teachers are on the front line of this immigration problem and uh, of this immigration issue, and no one is really listening to them. And I think we need to start respecting teachers more, and we need to have parents stop blaming teachers when their kids are a problem in school yes. and start trusting the institution a little bit more um, because what's happening is just a total uh, erosion of personal responsibility. And uh, when we, we go after our teachers, we demonize them, we take all the power out of their hands, and I think that's why our uh, country is failing on an intellectual level. Yeah, parents going to uh, ki- parents going to teachers and saying, why didn't my son turn in his homework assignment? Yeah. Like, fuck, I don't know. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't go home with them yeah. every night. I have learned a lot about, uh, you know, about the education um, situation in the country. Betsy DeVos, for example, I think I mentioned this on the last one, growth versus proficiency. Mm-hmm. I, I am leaning more towards a growth model because I think uh, kids learn at a different uh, speeds. Uh, everyone's a late bloomer, an early bloomer whatever it might be um, and we need to take again as we were just talking about with our immigration uh, conversation we need to be pragmatic when it comes to our education as well we have to get rid of mm-hmm. the common core um, you know the, the the standardized testing all this stuff yes this rigid form of education is killing our country and it's really hurting our children and when they get up uh, and they need to get a job and they realize a massive amount of jobs are in uh, technology are in fields that require a level of intelligence uh, that they were quite fr- frankly not uh, allowed to achieve because of our poor education system and because of the culture we've created and because teachers are um, are just hand tied uh, they, they are handcuffed uh, right now to actually teach and I think that's really unfortunate so we're going to continue talking about that as well and um and uh, yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, so I think we basically covered it. I know uh, everyone's been freaking out these past couple of weeks, and I understand. Um, but we're going to do it. Everything's it has to be okay because yeah. uh, you know, and uh, yeah, Donald Trump. It is what it is. And uh, as a nation, I think we are. This is it's a we can grow. We can grow from here and uh, and I, try to avoid something like this happening in the future. The only reason it was able to happen in the first place was because such an erosion of trust in the U.S. government amongst all the people in this nation. 11% approval rating by Congress because they're bought and sold. Crony capitalism is absolutely skyrocketing. It's through the roof. The duopoly of power has eroded our democracy. Uh, The entire republic is in shambles. And that's why somebody like Donald Trump is able to worm his way into the White House because it was a man who was, uh, he's great in situations uh, of dire straits. Mm Mm-hmm. He was the only hope that uh, he was the he was the only one promising all the things people wanted to hear, and uh, and th- so yeah. we have to learn from that. In a little over a hundred days, uh, he is at a fifty-seven percent disapproval rating. That's not good, and I believe he's golfed twenty-one times. Twenty-one. He, he's gone golfing twenty-one times. To me, to me, uh, that's a lot of golf. I, I just cannot believe that that you know people, Trump supporters, can look at that number, can look at the number twenty-one, uh, and still say he's doing a good. He job. He gets a lot of business done on that golf course. You, you that's know, what he I, says. <laughs> and also, Mar-a-Laga gets a lot of money from him. <laughs> yeah, it's always great when he's a. Uh, 
at the golf course, and he has to take uh, briefings on North Korean missile launches uh, among casual diners mm-hmm. because, you know, that's where he has to get his work done. You He's got to work on his putts. Let's just do all this shit out in the open because that's not a national security fucking issue either. Hey, you know what? It's about transparency. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, let's see. You can go to Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel and Instagram at Ben Kissel one I've been posting a little bit more on there. So that's kind of fun. And uh, let's see. You can get the T-shirt if you want to. Mm-hmm. I was wearing it the other day. It's very nice. And it doesn't smell like fish. <laughs> there was a shirt that I bought in uh, There was a shirt that I bought in Austin. In Austin my Whalen yeah. Jennings shirt. It smelled like fish. Remember uh-huh. that? I remember. Yeah. You, said, very insecure you sprayed about half a fucking bottle of Febreze on I know. Shirt. And it didn't work. It just smelled like <laughs> sea breeze fish. It, it smelled more fishy. It's very bizarre. But then I want to thank the uh, the listener who was wearing the Ben Kitzel for President shirt. Uh, and she gave me that amazing shirt of uh, Vladimir Putin riding a unicorn. Thank you so much. And I wish you would have come out to the show in Dallas. She said she was going to come. And I don't think she did. Oh, yeah. And she also gave me that awesome Texas shirt. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. Um, yeah, that first show in Austin was interesting because it was light outside. Yeah, and it's a visual show. Yeah, uh, so that was <laughs> the that screen was didn't necessarily uh, read a, a whole lot, and we do best in the dark. Yes, we do, <laughs> much like Roger Stone. Um, so yes, go purchase a shirt, and if you want to support the BK for BK campaign, go to BK four the the number or the letter four um, BK dot com, and uh, you know you can read the policy platforms. And we're gonna plan some town halls here very soon. And the cowmen, you have to perform. We're gonna. Ooh, I'm wooing you. Woo, yeah, I'm I mean, getting the yeah, woo. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll perform, but that's you know, that's endor- more, of, more of a collective. I wouldn't say that's necessarily an endorsement. Yeah, but, you know. I, Henry did endorse, for well, better Henry or for did. worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may see how much that helped you. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Mom, I got the job in Manhattan. Do you have a warm enough winter coat? What about your car? I'm selling it with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. How? I enter my license plate number, miles, condition, upload photos, and boom, an official cash offer from a local dealership. A cash offer instantly? Oh, did you call Aunt Stella? She's right there in Massachusetts. Mom, I literally just got the job. Not everything is as simple as selling your car with Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it, kbb.com it.